What distinguishes Alidate from its fellow travelers, companies within our sector, is that we enable our practice partners to move into value-based care across their entire patient panel, from Medicare, Medicare Advantage, commercial, all the way to Medicaid. Welcome to the ACO Show. Today, Josh and Brian welcome Chelsea Graves, Alidate's Director of Medicaid Network, and Mohamed Arif, Alidate's Director of Medicaid Strategy, to talk about the value of Medicaid today in the future and the importance of bringing value-based care to the patients who are served by this insurance program. Hi, and welcome to the ACO Show. My name is Brian Chmielinski. I'm Alidate's Senior Director of Communications and Content, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Dr. Josh Israel. And we're talking today about Medicaid with two of our uh, amazing experts in the program joining us today to talk about a little background on the program, uh, some history of it, and what we can expect in terms of value uh, in Medicaid in the future. Our two experts here are Chelsea Graves, Alidade's Director of Medicaid Network, and Mohamed Arif, our Director of Medicaid Strategy. I'll start with you, Mohamed. Uh, just maybe we just start from the beginning. What is Medicaid? So Medicaid provides coverage for the most economically disadvantaged populations, including low-income families, pregnant women, children, and individuals with disabilities. Medicaid also helps nearly one in five Medicare beneficiaries, known as duals, their Medicare premiums, cost sharing, and uh, the program also provides these beneficiaries with wraparound benefits not covered by Medicare, especially long-term care services. In terms of these populations, or I should say, these populations are distinguished by the intensity of their healthcare needs, as well as the degree which socioeconomic factors impact their ability to pay for and obtain access to care. While Medicaid is structured as a federal state partnership, state, states administer the program under a broad federal guidance and have immense flexibility in establishing their own eligibility standards, benefit packages, and also determining how providers get paid. And as a result of this like flexibility, every state operates its own flavor of Medicaid. So this means that Medicaid eligibility, benefit packages, and how beneficiaries access services can look very different depending on where they are in the country. And that could really have a huge impact in terms of care delivery and the outcome of a care for, for members. I mean, despite the tremendous variabilities in how states administer Medicaid, there's a sort of a cross-cutting trend that we see in almost all Medicaid programs, and that is the growth of Medicaid managed care as a payment and service delivery model. More than 70% of Medicaid beneficiaries currently receive services through these private health plans, and I anticipate that this number will continue to rise in the coming years. Yeah, that's really, really important. We were talking with some of our commercial insurance experts in a past episode, and they mentioned how each, if you know a commercial insurance uh, or a commercial payer in one state, you know a commercial payer in one state, that they're very different flavors from one state to the next. I think a lot of ways the Medicaid program, as much as we like to think of it as this broad national program, is really built on that partnership. And, and each state has its own unique unique approach and unique flavor, which is um, which is very interesting, but also allows for a lot of innovation and, and uh, experiments to bubble up to the surface. Let's look looking at the program overall nationwide. About what's what's the scale of the program? Because uh, we kind of have a sense of you know, Medicare is you know uh, 30, 40 million patients. Uh, what qualifies as Medicaid coverage? So Medicaid is the largest health insurance program in the United States, covering more than 82 million people. So that is one in four Americans who are covered through this program. Quite amazing that it's the largest insurer. Um, we've had guests on before who mentioned that, and it's, it's just sort of an unknown thing to most people. Chelsea, 
when we go into Medicaid contracts, what do we define as success? What do, what do we mean if we say we did well? What's our goal when we enter into working with Medicaid patients? Sure. It's first starting with our mission and being in line with our mission to provide high quality care to our patients is first and foremost. Achieving cost goals and meeting and exceeding our performance thresholds is a very strong component of all of our contracts. There are quality gates that are established within some of the contracts that are requirements for us to access and share in savings. In line with our mission, providing high quality care for our patients is, is paramount. And first and foremost, for the work that we, we hope to do with our practices, through our practices to our patients. Achieving cost goals and meeting our quality performance thresholds is critical. These are components within all of our contracts and they're also tied often to quality gates, meaning that we must meet or exceed the quality performance components in order to access and share in savings. I will add that in the Medicaid population, there are some unique complexities here that we face that can create barriers to care, such as um, lack of transportation, food insecurity, housing, other social determinant needs. And so often these factors do make it difficult to meet performance goals and benchmarks. However, we've found ways in Allidade to demonstrate success here. Mohammed, we know that politics drive a lot of things, including even reimbursement rates and health insurance. Medicaid is often a less lucrative payer to work with, both for physicians and for companies like Allidaid. Uh, why, given that, is Allidaid entering into Medicaid contracts? What distinguishes Allidaid from its fellow travelers, companies within our sector, is that we enable our practice partners to move into value-based care across their entire patient panel, from Medicare, Medicare Advantage, commercial, all the way to Medicaid. Providers, both private practices as well as community health centers, are excited to partner with Allidaid for Medicaid contracts because we make it more efficient, profitable, and easier to provide excellent primary care to Medicaid patients. We also realize that Medicaid, in some sense, is an untapped opportunity, given that one in four Americans receive coverage through Medicaid. And there is a huge opportunity here for Allidaid to expand and accelerate value-based care across the board for, for Medicaid. And this is a really good opportunity for us to do more in this space given that we are partnering with community health centers, given that we are partnering with rural providers and in many other practices that have large panel sizes of Medicaid patients. And we believe that we have the right tools and the capacity and ability to really drive value in that space. Josia, we talked a little earlier about the patient population uh, that's covered by Medicaid and how they're typically a more vulnerable population and population sometimes with uh, more intense uh, health needs. And, and one of the goals of value-based care is to help bring down costs by providing better care with a program that's really as efficiently run as the Medicaid program is. What are the big cost drivers and where are the areas that we can bring down costs while making sure that patients are still getting that top quality care? Most of our cost impact is from connecting patients with PCPs. And what is unique about the Medicaid value-based care model that we have in place is that the ACOs are vital to building those PCP relationships. And we often see that many of the patients do not have those established relationships in place. Therefore, we can establish and create that for our patients as well as connecting to our practices. When we are able to effectively connect our 
practices to patients and patients to practices. Therefore, we will see lower utilization for ED visits. We're able to see lower unnecessary specialists in urgent care utilization, wellness prevention, um, and, and just preventative care opportunities are more present and prevalent in the lives of our patients. And what is really key for this population is being in a position to identify and address the social drivers of health. And this is being in a position for our practices to connect patients to not only community resources and social supports in, at the community at large, but also our pair partners. Many of our partners have wonderful programs in place to support their members um, that are experiencing social, social determinants of health needs. Therefore, we are able to partner and work collaboratively there to address those particular barriers that do reduce cost. Chelsea, you alluded to uh, making sure that uh, patients get connected to providers. You know, we certainly know at Allidade that getting patients in for a wellness visits, just getting people in front of their PCP is a huge benefit to health. There are also issues of attribution, attribution being the way that a payer formally assigns a patient to a specific primary care provider. And we have some, we could call them opportunities on days we're feeling optimistic. We could call it challenges on days we're feeling more tired and cranky. Issues in Medicaid about payer assignment of patients to PCPs. Can you speak to some of those issues? Great question, Josh. Attribution differs in Medicaid from MSSP and other commercial plans as Medicaid patients are not assigned through historical claims and plurality of services that you will see with other with those other lines of business. In Medicaid, the structure is where individuals can self-select or be auto-assigned. And the auto-assignment is based on the payer's assignment methodology. So for Allidade, our key priority is to connect patients to quality care. And through understanding the Medicaid attribution methodology, we're able to support our payer partners and practices by ensuring that we have mechanisms in place to make the invitation to care, to connect and to establish that connection. But the challenges I've heard about include physicians saying, wait a second, who are all these patients on my panel? I've never even heard of this patient. I don't even know how to reach them. Uh, are, are those issues that are more unique to Medicaid? They are. They are They are very much so more unique to, to Medicaid. And we are working through um, solutions to that. And a lot of it is practice education, um, educating our field teams and our markets on how to um, identify or work with the unfamiliar patient. And these are patients that are on your panel that you may not have engaged with before, that you're not familiar with, that have been assigned to you from um, their pair. Therefore, we have established ways for and methods for our practices to begin those outreaches and to effectively connect with patients. Mohammed, a question for you. Over the past year or so, the issue of health equity has really exploded nationwide as a major concern of health professionals at all levels and policymakers. And it seems that Medicaid seems to be a prime tool for helping to address issues of health equity. Could you speak a little bit to how Medicaid fits into approaching health equity, both from a nationwide perspective, but also here at Allidate as, as a company? So, so Medicaid coverage in and itself is critical to health equity. And it's estimated the ACA expansion of Medicaid alone saves millions of lives uh, for folks uh, within the first few years. Uh, we also know during the COVID-19 public health emergency, 
Medicaid has been a lifeline for millions who otherwise would not be able to have coverage and access healthcare services. And the interesting thing we've noticed also as part of the COVID crisis is that the disparities of health outcomes were also very distinct in, in terms of where members uh, had access to uh, Medicaid coverage or more expansive coverage access versus where members did not have that level of access. So states that have expanded Medicaid versus states that did not have uh, Medicaid expansion also demonstrated a level of disparity uh, in terms of Medicaid patients and, and Medicaid beneficiaries. And then this has to do also with the fact that we have not as robust coverages in certain parts of the country, which are impacting health disparity and health outcomes in general. In Alladate, our view really is that we want our patients, obviously, and Alladate HOs to thrive in every community, in minority communities, vulnerable communities, and that the patients and doctors served by these communities uh, partner with us are very happy and are providing the best possible care uh, across the board. We also know just in general that Patients who receive care through primary care ACO models have better outcomes than patients that don't receive care through ACO models. And unfortunately, Medicaid at the moment and Medicaid patients are left behind. And so we really want to change that in the future as a company, and we want to really expand ACO coverage and access to ACO high-quality care to Medicaid patients. And then we're able to do that. One of our goals also as a company is to ensure that LA patients exceed targets and have little to no racial disparities on chronic disease and prevention metrics. And we are enabling our practices through the tools that we have to really begin to look at those disparities across the board and, and begin to address that. And we really hope that we can accelerate those efforts into the future and then become even more successful as we go into the Medicaid space. That's really great. I love that you're, you're focusing on the future here. I want to I want to look kind of at the future of the entire Medicaid program and saying that from starting with the fact that so much has changed in Medicaid over the past decade. I remember one of my first jobs, I was working for state government of Virginia and I got curious and decided to look, because you know there's a popular perception that Medicaid is a program for kind of a safety net program. And I remember looking at the eligibility data, um, like the income thresholds uh, for Medicaid coverage in Virginia. This was like 2008, 2009. And if I'm remembering the numbers correctly, it was something like the cutoff was like $9,000 a year of income. Uh, if you made above that, you were ineligible for Medicaid. And in a number of states, obviously, before the ACA passed, any childless adults were not eligible at all. Um, I think a lot of people didn't really understand how many holes there were in the coverage for Medicaid and how much that has changed with the ACA expansion. I'd love to hear a little bit about just how, from your perspective, Medicaid has changed over the past few years, anything that might be surprising. And then looking ahead a little bit, there's a lot of talk, especially with the major legislative packages coming through Congress now to kind of change ways that that states could expand Medicaid. So I wonder if you could touch a little bit on that and kind of help us see where Medicaid is going in the future. Really, since the inception of Medicaid in 1965, the program has actually evolved tremendously. Medicaid started off as a small program primarily covering people receiving cash assistance. It didn't have its own eligibility rules, so if you qualified for cash assistance, you also received Medicaid as part of that process. In the late 80s, there were concerns about infant mortality that really prompted Congress to extend Medicaid coverage beyond the usual level, so children and pregnant women whose earnings put them above the cash assistance eligibility level started to qualify for this. So that was really the beginning of the expansion that we noticed in Medicaid. In the 90s, we also saw significant other expansions, including 
coverage expansion for children under the Children's Health Insurance Program. That also significantly changed the really the view of Medicaid as as a big payer when it comes to safety net and safety net care. And obviously, the ACA was also very transformative and allowed uh, really solidified Medicaid as a program that has is the largest payer for healthcare uh, by expanding coverage to childless adult members for the first time, really uh, across the entire country. And uh, this was really critical because uh, it meant that every individual, every adult who, uh, based on their income, whether or not they have children, would qualify for Medicaid. Um, Unfortunately, because of the expansion, however, became optional after the 2012 Supreme Court ruling. As a result of that, today, we only have about 38 states um, and D.C. that have expanded coverage. There are a few states that are holding, holding out at the moment in terms of expanding coverage. Really like the issue that you were talking about in terms of new legislation and things that are coming through Congress, really the interesting provision now that we're seeing is the Build Back Better Act. And if that is passed in law by Congress, that could close the coverage gap in states that haven't expanded Medicaid. About, you know, there's a significant number of of, um, members or individuals who are currently uninsured and fall into that gap. Uh, And so those are really individuals who are unable, unable to qualify for Medicaid but are ineligible for marketplace subsidies because their incomes are too low. And so hopefully, or through this process, if this law gets passed, it would actually close the coverage gap for those individuals and really would create this new program, essentially, that would allow new members who previously did not have access to care receive care through this new option that that Congress will be creating. Yeah, Mohammed, thanks for that 30,000-foot view. Uh, Bring it back closer to the ground. Chelsea, we've been hearing now about the way that Medicaid expansion uh, has happened and may happen more. When you bring that back down to the patient and physician level, what in particular can an ACO, what in particular can Allidade bring to improve health by strengthening the doctor-patient relationship? ACOs are well positioned, and our ACO specifically is well positioned to build the PCP patient relationship. We often see that these relationships are not in place, that patients do not have um, established care in place with their assigned PCP from their payer. We are in a position to connect that. And in working collaboratively with our payer partners and our practices, we're able to make that happen through multimodal campaigns. We do invitations to care. We have outreach specialists that are able to make the connection from the pair assignment to the practice or to the patient. And through those mechanisms, we are able to connect patients to care, but then also ensure that we are reducing costs while doing so. Having that engaged relationship goes back to lowering our costs reducing ED utilization, unnecessary specialist visits, urgent care utilization, all of those components, as Mohammed mentioned earlier, around um, chronic disease management and preventative screenings, all of those are components that are established around that care being built between the patient and the practice and the PCP. So we definitely are in a position to do that and we do it well. One of the um, examples that come to mind is the work with um, our Mississippi pair partner in 2020, where we were able to identify the disconnect that was happening with the auto assignment methodology, where there was some geographical concerns in relations to where individuals lived in the assigned practice. Therefore, through 
our work in the ACO, we quickly identified the misalignment, was able to bring that back to the pair and start working through those membership patient moves that allowed individuals to have um, established care with practices and providers that were close within region to them, as well as have ongoing supports there from that relationship. Josia, we talked a little bit about Allidade's footprint in Medicaid in terms of, of lives under management or individual patients or, or Medicaid beneficiaries. How about in terms of states? What does our geographic footprint look like and, and how has its growth been over the past year or so? Right now, we have nine active contracts across six markets. The growth has been quite tremendous. We've doubled since the top of the year with more growth to come in 22. We currently have a roughly 130,000 lives under management, and our care partners continue to expand, as well as our state-led programs. Jalcia Graves, Director of Medicaid Network, and Mohamed Arif, Director of Medicaid Strategy at Allidate. Thank you both for joining the show today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This episode of the ACO Show was produced by Leanne Priady, Dan Ablin, and Alana Coogan. Our theme music is by Greg Berry. You can find previous episodes on our website, alladay.com, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and join us next time. <laughs>